2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you are an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Apple presentation. Um, with us today, we have Matt Volbrick, um, who will be facilitating, and we also have Rita, who um, is a colleague of Matt's. Um, so thank you, everyone, for coming, and Matt, you can go ahead. Thank you so much, Natalie. I appreciate it. Welcome, everybody. We are so glad to have you today. Glad to be here once again to do this uh, this presentation um, and I, I uh, want to say hi to Rita. Thanks for joining us, Rita. We may uh, see some other members of the team coming in here shortly. Um, and then again, maybe not, but we're, uh, we're glad to be here. Uh, I suppose we ought to address the, uh, the proverbial elephant in the room, uh, which is that we're talking a little bit about Google today, uh, which is a very, very odd uh, turn of events. And, and so we'll, uh, we'll clear the air and we'll set the boundaries right now uh, you know, am, am I about to, uh, am I about to go out and buy a Chromebook or a, you know, a galaxy, uh, phone or tablet or, you know, any of that stuff. And of course the answer is absolutely not. There are a lot of things, um, that Google makes or, or provides the software for, or what have you that I'm not a fan of that I, uh, don't recommend and definitely, Apple is, is where it's at for us on this team. We are Apple people, and, and that continues to be true. Uh, but I also say, if you're going to really truly be unbiased, you got to give credit where credit's due, as we said in the description. And there are some things that Google does really, really well. And um, I felt that it was, it was time to discuss some of those. Um, I have a few products. We mentioned some of them in the uh, in the in the description, and then there's a couple others, and and the most important thing um, that we're always going to come back to today when we do this is is to talk about uh, this Google experience from an Apple user's perspective, right? Is there a way? Because the question would arise: Is there a way to bring this all together? And I think you're going to be very amazed and very impressed when you hear just how much that can really be done. Um why did I even get into this? You know, what, what was the, the reason that I started exploring some of the Google uh, offerings? And, and it might be a question that people would ask. And in all actuality, I, I had a Google smart speaker before I ever had a HomePod because Apple was not the first one to make a smart speaker. Um, and, and my very first smart speaker was a Google Home uh, device all the way back in probably 2000, either 16 or 17. I don't remember when they first started making it, but it was one of those years. And I, I want to say 
16, but I, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, there's trainer cliff. Glad to have you. Um, and so it, you know, it, it's not a, an entirely unfamiliar, uh, concept. And then I did certainly get, um, home pods and I've, I've probably got eight or 10 home pods now, either full size or, or home pod mini. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't dislike those at all. I think they're wonderful. Uh, I don't share people's criticisms of Siri. I actually love Siri. I use Siri every day and Siri does everything that I want her to do. Uh, but, um, what, what kind of got me back into exploring some of these Google products was that I had, uh, gotten my hands on a, uh, direct TV stream device, which is one of the, uh, the things we mentioned in the description. And, uh, I, the reason for that was kind of twofold. I wanted to do a review of it, uh, because as a tech person, I like to do that. And we had, you know, chosen direct TV stream as our TV service of the year, uh, for live TV. And certainly I believe the best way to watch that is on the Apple TV. And in most of the rooms of our house, that's how we do it is with an Apple TV. And I'm not the only tech person to have that opinion. A lot of people, if you watch various YouTube videos, say that, you know, the best combination is direct TV stream and an Apple TV, um, better picture quality, better everything all the way around. Uh, but on TVs where maybe you got a, you know, just a small secondary television somewhere or something, you know, maybe you don't want to buy an Apple TV. And you can get this DirecTV stream device uh, from DirecTV, which they will finance for you or various different options and, you know, a little bit less uh, cost. And I said, I'm going to get my hands on one of these and just see, you know, what it's like, what all the hype's about, if it's any good, if it's not any good, you know. And we did a review of it uh, on the TTJ Tech um, show, which is on YouTube for those who want to look that up. Uh, but the conclusion um, that we came to was that it's certainly not Apple, right? It's not anywhere close. But if you want to use it on a secondary TV or something, it will absolutely get the job done. And that includes its accessibility, uh, its screen reader. Again, it's not voiceover, but it will do. And, and so I began looking at this. And what's interesting about the DirecTV stream device is that it's powered by Android TV. Um, one of the things about Android that really, in a lot of ways, I, I don't like is just how much third-party manufacturers can customize it. So it may look nothing like Android, you know, till all is said and done, and, and that can be a, a good thing or a bad thing, but more often than not, it kind of manifests as a bad thing. But in this case, um, the folks at DirecTV or AT&T, I guess, really, when this was designed, did a, a, a great job of creating um, an experience that sort of mirrors all the, all the things that people might like about a traditional cable box, but in a whole new and revolutionized way. And, and so it's got this, um, you know, ability to install your apps, you know, in addition to watching live and on demand and DVR, you can, you know, install and use anything from Netflix to Disney plus and, you know, all the other common ones. And it's also got a voice remote powered, of course, by Google because um, it was uh, it, it's based on Android. And so it's the Google Assistant, which is the name of their smart assistant. Um, it was that experience, as I said, not as good as Apple, but still decently good, that made me start to say, hey, I'm curious what else Google Assistant can do, because 
the stuff I was able to do even on the TV was really impressive. And it was just about that time that I saw a Christmas, Black Friday, holiday season, I don't know, uh, sale on the um, what's called the Google Nest Hub. Now, very, very quickly, you have to understand that Google purchased Nest a few years ago. Uh, they're still in the process of sort of, you know, migrating all of their smart home devices to one name. And there's for those who have been involved with Google or Nest, you may have experienced the uh, interesting maneuvers that Google has made with migrating of accounts and all that stuff. But as a new user, you don't really have to worry about that. Uh, basically, um, they are now one company. Okay. And so the Google, what used to be like Google Home and so forth, is now the Nest Hub. And they have a Nest Hub Max. They have a few different, the Nest, the Nest Mini. And these are smart speakers, basically. But the Nest Hub and, and Nest Hub Max in particular also have displays. Now, there's a rumor that, um, that Apple is working on its own smart display. I'm sure if that happens, I, I can guarantee you I'll be getting one, whether I'll, you know, replace my Nest Hub with a whatever Apple's going to call. I don't know, you know, but I, I will have one. But it's, you know, um, what I what I came to see about Google Assistant is that it's really, really mature. It's really been refined over the years. And a lot of stuff has been done with it, okay? And, you know, we are focusing on those things uh, today and just to give you some, some ideas of things that can be done for people who might be interested in this. Now, I will point out that um, with the Nest Hub and, and the Google Assistant in general, uh, they do a lot of what's, what I, I tend to call account linking. And, and Apple does none of that. And that's a deliberate choice, which I, I respect Apple's decision. And I actually agree with it. I think there are other ways. But what, what that account linking has done is it really has enabled Google Assistant to grow just exponentially in what it can do. The other thing is, as I, if you heard last week's presentation, when someone had asked a question, I had, I had kind of given a little bit of a spoiler. And I said that, you know, all three of the major assistants, right? Siri, Google, and the other one with the A that I won't actually say, because it'll trigger people's devices. All three are good. All three are pretty much on par with each other at this point. There's not one that just, you know, runs away with the crown on every area. Okay. They're all decent. We have all three. I've got devices with all three smart assistants uh, in this house, the majority of them being home pods, the second most, the second being uh, Google. And then I have a couple of echo devices as well. And um, each of them has their strengths. At this point, I cannot honestly even say that any has a weakness, right? But, but each definitely has strengths where they really shine. One of the areas where Google really shines is with general knowledge. And that's because Google is Google, right? So Google has access to all the things that you would want to know and all the websites that Google can ask. So I can ask really you know, unusual questions, you know, like I could say, Hey Google, is it safe to feed my dog apples? On the website, akc.org, they say, 
Yes, dogs can eat apples. Apples are an excellent source of vitamins A and C, as well as fiber for your dog. They are low in protein and fat, making them the perfect snack for senior dogs. People also ask me, how much apple can a dog eat? Want to hear the answer? Sure. On the website Purina.com, they say, how much apple can dogs have? A slice or two of apple makes a good serving for your dog because it should only be 10% of your dog's daily calories. But if your dog loves apples, try a complete and balanced meal like Beneful Healthy Weight Accented with Apples. What has happened here is that Google is actually accessing these websites, AKC, the American Kennel Club, you know, and, and, and whatever the other one was, I forget what it said now. But those are things that no other assistant really is quite as robust about doing. So one of the areas where Google uh, Assistant really, really shines is this, this general knowledge thing. You know, if you're cooking in the kitchen or you just feel like using your voice instead of picking up a device, that's going to be the device to go to because the, the general knowledge stuff is, is incredible. Now, the other devices don't, don't lack entirely in that. I mean, there are things I can, you know, I can do something like this. Hey, Siri, who was president when NASA was formed? I found some web results. I can show them if you ask again from your iPhone. Okay, so she, she will give you web results. And I think if I ask the question different, differently, she may actually give me an answer like, Hey, Siri, who was president of the United States in 1959? The answer I found is Dwight D. Eisenhower. Okay, so you can get these general knowledge types of things with Siri and the A lady, and 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 Amazon actually has a contributor uh, channel that people can kind of give answers to things that sort of like a um, community based, uh, you know, supported by the public kind of thing. And so, you know, it, it's it's not fair to say that the only one who will give you general knowledge is Google, but the definitely the information is far more robust that you can get with just your voice. There's nothing wrong with picking up your iPhone and looking at the web results. Sometimes she'll send them automatically even, you know, to the phone, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but again, if you just want a quick answer, um, now, of course, you also run the risk of making sure that it's in context. You know, those answers we got from Google were very thorough, were very, you know, spot on. Um, so you got to just, you know, every time take it with a grain of salt, I suppose. But the, what the, the other thing, let's just talk about kind of this Nest Hub, what all sorts of things it can do and some unique things that it can do. So there's the obvious of, you know, um, basic uh, general knowledge, timers, clocks, alarms. Um, and, and we'll talk about how some of this works from an Apple perspective, but music and, and you know, um, all of that stuff. There's some more uh, unique things that you don't always see every day. Um, and and th what, that's some of the reasons that I like this. So this Nest Hub, remember, has a display. The Nest Hub is, a, I believe, a 7-inch display, and I think the Max is a 10-inch. The Max also has a camera. Um, and so it's, you know, it's a little bit of a different uh, device as well. Um, but the, one of the unique things that is, that's nice about this device is that it does have this screen. And so in and of itself, that gives people who can see access quickly to whatever they want. So if I set a timer right now, that timer is going to show up on the screen. 
on a normal basis, maybe it's a, a photo frame or it's displaying. I don't use Google Photos. I use Apple Photos, so I'm not displaying my personal photos, but uh, I can display um, images that are like, you know, artwork and just different random images. And then it will show me, you know, the weather. Um, if I have calendar events and we'll talk about how that works with Apple in a few minutes, um, it, it allows me to quickly access home control. So I can actually tap on the screen and I can control my thermostat. I can control, um, you know, uh, door locks. I can control lights. Uh, and again, we're going to, I can even see by the way, cameras, uh, on this device. Okay. So I can get a quick access to my security system, uh, all these kinds of things on screen. Again, we'll, we'll talk about how that works for an Apple person. Um, there is a screen reader. Okay. There is a, this uses the Chrome box, uh, or Chrome Vox, I believe it is. I apologize. Uh, screen reader. So you can have accessible ways of viewing the screen. I don't leave that on because most of the interaction I do is with my voice and what I've found is that Chromebox still needs to be perfected a little bit, at least as of December or November when I got this thing. Um, what would sometimes happen is Chromebox and the Google Assistant voice would interrupt each other. If you asked a question, you know, it was fine if you were touching the screen, but if you asked a question that Google was supposed to answer, sometimes they would interrupt each other. Over the years in various betas and point zero releases, we've seen that with, you know, Siri and VoiceOver too. I'm sure Google will fix it uh, just as Apple has, uh, hopefully as quickly. Uh, but I haven't tried it recently because as I said, most of the interactions that I do with it are with my voice. It's very, very easy to turn the screen reader on and off. You do it from the Google Home app in, on your, you know, iPhone or whatever device. So it really isn't a problem. Um, if I wanted to try it again, but anyway, the, the, you know, a sighted person definitely is going to have this very quick access, just touch the screen if they want to do it that way. Uh, and they can see all their home stuff in one, um, on one device, you know, it kind of puts me in the mindset for those who are customers of maybe Comcast and you have the Xfinity home security system, which comes with a, a control hub, which by the way, also has a screen reader in it now, um, and that is, you know, the, the kind of thing I'm thinking of here. Like, you know, again, you want to, you know, adjust the temperature, but not walk up to the thermostat, maybe not use your voice. You know, you can do it right on the screen here and just as quickly access your, your door lock or your lights or your, your security system or anything else you might have. So that in and of itself is one aspect of this that I really, really appreciate. Another one is the cookbook feature. Um, you can ask Google for a recipe. And Google will find a recipe for you, or you can use your phone or iPad. I mean, any, you know, any device you would normally use and you can use Safari. You don't have to use Google Chrome. I'm not a fan of the Google Chrome browser. I told you there's a lot of stuff Google does that I don't like a lot of stuff that, that I do. I don't use Chrome and I don't have any intention of, of using Chrome. I use Safari, but as long as Safari is signed into your Google account, um, you can search for recipes and there's an option on uh, every recipe result or, or supported recipe results that pop up in your Google search results uh, that says cook this. And it will actually send that recipe to your Google, um, Google Assistant speaker or display, in this case, the, the Nest Hub. And uh, it may only work with displays. You can cook with no, I don't think it, it, it works with the non-display ones like the Nest Minis as well. It's just more, more voice guided instead of visually. But here you can actually see it too. And, and so it's going to send it to your hub 
And then you can ask um, Google, start my recipe. And Google will uh, ask you, you know, if this is the recipe you want, you can save recipes in that cookbook. What happens then is she'll guide you step by step through it, you know, prepare the ingredients. And then this is what you do next. And you can just say next step when you want to keep going. And, it, and then you can set timers. Of course, you know, as with the HomePod, you can set multiple timers and you can name your timers. One of the fun things about uh, Google is that they've come up with different sound effects for common timers. You know, not everything, but there's a unique, for example, if you set a pizza timer, it plays a little bit of an Italian themed uh, song for you uh, when the timer is up. If you say... Uh, that you want a uh, a seafood or fish timer, it plays a little bit of a sound of like a, a, a seagull and, and waves and stuff like that. Um, and I'll demonstrate one of these because it's really funny. Hey, Google, set a 30-second chicken timer. All right, a 30-second timer called chicken, starting now. <laughs> now you heard the little cluck there. And what you're going to see is that that's going to actually happen when the timer goes off too. So, you know, not an essential feature, but something really fun that they've taken just above and beyond to, to make the experience even more fun. So we'll hear the timer here uh, in, in just a few seconds. But of course, you can have multiple timers going at the same time. And what I was getting at is that happens also as part of the cooking experience. So that cookbook feature is a really, really neat feature uh, on these Google Assistant enabled devices. All right, our timer ought to be going off here and then we'll continue. <laughs> Your chicken timer is up. Hey, Google. Stop. So it wasn't that fun. Now, uh, another feature of, of Google that I'm a big fan of is what's called Family Bell. And Family Bell uh, allows you to set different um, announcements, different reminders that happen automatically throughout the day and will play on Google Assistant enabled speakers and displays and also on your personal devices if you have the Google Home app installed. And the, um, the Google Home app is accessible with voiceover, by the way. Uh, I, I, I'm not a, the interface, I'm used to it now, praise God, I, I know how to get around it and it's fine. I, I, I sort of sometimes jokingly say, I wish they'd, they'd have uh, the Apple designers uh, come over and, and give them a tip or two because I'm, I'm not always a big fan. Sometimes the, the Google apps don't feel as easy to get around. Um, but with the Google Home app, once you learn it, you're fine. And, and it's, it is fully accessible with voiceover. So it's, you know, it's not an issue. Anyway, um, back to the family bell. What happens is the, um, you can set things every day. Like, um, you know, it's time for, like I have one set in the afternoon when I normally start teaching class and it says time for class, you know, and we have one on Sunday mornings to get ready for church. So this, this will announce and it will play a sound. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a quick way of setting uh, kind of a schedule, multiple things throughout the day. Uh, another feature of the, uh, and, and by the way, you can have your reminders and, and that sort of thing as well, and, and even assign them uh, to different people. Another feature that I'm a really big fan of with the Google, um, assistant devices is Chromecast. So with, um, in, in some regards, you can think of this in, in sort of a similar way as AirPlay, uh, but there are differences. And, you know, in some ways it's less powerful. In some ways it's, it's maybe 
equal or more, but it's, it's, you know, again, just kind of a, another option. If you have a smart display like the Nest Hub, um, you can easily watch anything on that Nest Hub as long as it supports Chromecast. Now, there are some things you can directly link. Again, we talked about account linking earlier. So, you know, YouTube, Netflix, um, there are some music services, but I'm just thinking of the TV ones right now. Uh, Disney Plus, Hulu, um, Paramount, Stars. There's a few others, I think, Tubi, that you can link directly. So I can actually ask my Google Assistant speaker or display directly. I can say, you know, play The Little Mermaid on Disney+. Plus. But um, beyond that, for services that are not directly linked, or, or even if you just want another way to do it, I can simply open an app. And so, so many apps support this, right? So we mentioned our DirecTV stream um, service that we chose as live TV streaming service of the year. Um, I can open that app and there's a little Chromecast button in it and it will instantly find my enabled devices like the display. So, you know, if you're in the kitchen, you have a Nest Hub in there or, you know, um, any other room of the house, you know, the bathroom while you're getting ready in the morning, you, you, you can, you know, easily watch TV on any of those devices from almost any app you can think of. So it's really a powerful, um, way to be able to watch TV and movies and shows and so forth, no matter what you're doing. Um, and, and again, that's another feature of this that I really like. Um, a small feature, you know, is, is, uh, but, but one that I find to be very, very useful is the, um, integration with services like Sirius XM and Google's not the only one to do this. You can do this on echo devices and really you can do it on home pods. It's not as direct. I don't understand why the Sirius XM people have not released series shortcuts for radio stations because absolutely this is now possible there's nothing that apple is doing to hold this back it's just that sirius xm hasn't implemented it how easy would it be for them to create a series shortcut option so that you could play your favorite stations but you know whatever but google supports account linking so you can link your sirius xm account to google and i can ask for a radio station um and you know it will play so that's a nice feature uh, a couple of features I don't really use but are available are um, one in particular is the uh, sleep tracking feature. And this is something uh, which allows the, um, if you put this in a bedroom, the Nest Hub to sort of keep an eye on your, um, your sleep cycles. And um, to me, if you have an Apple Watch, that you choose to use for sleep tracking, that's going to be far more accurate than, you know, a bedside device. Um, but supposedly this is still pretty good. As I said, I've not enabled that feature because we don't have it in a bedroom or, you know, whatever, it's probably not close enough, uh, you know, so it, it wouldn't make sense to do, but it is a feature that's, um, that is available. And, uh, the, uh, the other one, um, then that I wanted to talk about just briefly, um, and, and, and then we're going to, as I said, talk about this from kind of an Apple perspective and, and talk about, um, you know, a few other devices. Uh, but, but I think that you're getting the idea that this is a, you know, a very powerful, very fun, very functional device. Uh, a lot of things that you would expect to do can be done. Like you can, you can control the, what voice is used on the assistant. You can control, um, 
how it listens to you. So you can control the sensitivity when you say the words, Hey, you know, Google. Um, and also you can, um, do a voice match. So it knows who's talking just like Siri, uh, in that regard. Um, you can also control, uh, you can create what are called groups. And I apologize for the puppy barking. It's only going to be for another minute. I have to get, uh, my son off the bus and she's excited cause I'm heading to the door, but, uh, I'll be right back. I'm, I'm getting Carson. Okay. So, um, you can create groups. Now groups are, uh, something which allow for multi-room audio, uh, simultaneous multi-room audio, right? So I can create, uh, speaker groups and, uh, you know, uh, play things on, you know, two or three speakers or four or however many at a time, if I want to do that. Um, so it's supported, uh, in that regard. They also have Google assistant routines, which kind of remind you of shortcuts though, not quite as powerful, but, uh, they, you know, you can do some really cool things like, you know, when I dismiss the alarm, automatically turn on the coffee maker or, you know, uh, when, when, um, when I arm the security, when, when I, when I turn out the lights or when I say good night, you know, automatically arm the security system and lock the door or whatever, you know, and, um, one of the fun things that you can do with Google, um, is that you can, uh, create a routine that causes a verbal response. So when I say, whatever it is that I might say, and you can have, you know, two or three phrases even that, that evoke the same, then Google assistant should say, you know, X, Y, or Z. And, and she will, you can type in these, these customized things. And I did one jokingly with my son because, um, he, you know, a lot of his friends use Spotify and I have been very vocally, um, uh, against Spotify in a lot of regards and, and, um, not a fan of the things that they do. And so I, I, we pick on each other about it. And so I created a Google assistant response when, um, when my son says, uh, you know, Hey, uh, Google, what do you think of Spotify? And it had an interesting, uh, response, but so that's a, again, you know, not a, not necessarily an extremely practical thing, but it could be in some regards, but mostly a, a fun thing. One practical thing along a similar line though, is the remember feature. Now this is in addition to reminders and so forth. Um, you can tell Google something like, remember that I put the spare key in the hall closet. And then later you can say to Google, you know, what did I tell you about the spare key? Um, so that's the remember feature. And that's, that's something really, really cool that, um, the Google assistant can do. Uh, you know, we could go on and on. Um, but what I want to do is I want to tell you about a couple other devices very quickly. And then I want to talk about this Apple perspective because that's so important, right? We are Apple people first and foremost, and we want to make sure that if we're doing this stuff, it's actually going to play well with Apple. And as I said, I think you're going to be impressed. It plays better than you think. Let me say hello to my son. Give me about 30 seconds and we'll continue. All right, so uh, guys, let's talk about some of these other devices. Um, now, I will. Uh, I mentioned already the Directv Stream device, 
and the Nest Hub and, and really the Nest Mini kind of goes along with that because um, the Nest Mini is just, a, you know, a non-display version. Um, it's still a speaker. And, you know, one of the cool things is at least within the Google family that is genuinely made by Google, most things are going to work on all devices. There are obviously some things that won't work on a non-display device. You know, you can't tell um, a speaker to show you your photos. Uh, if you do, what will happen, I think, is that it will pick the default display, whether that's a TV or a hub or something, you know, uh, it will do that. But most commands will work on all of these, which is really cool because, for example, on my TV, and this was one of the things that really struck me as awesome, on my DirecTV stream, if I'm using my DirecTV stream device, uh, I can still play Apple Music. I can still play Sirius XM. Uh, you know, I can do a lot of these things on all devices. Now, when you start, when you start getting into, um, hang on one second for me, guys. I'm sorry. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Anyway, um, when you start getting into third-party devices, because here again, that's one difference, you know, between Google and Apple. When you start getting into third-party devices that have Google Assistant support, then the support is not always equal. Then the experience is not always equal. But when you stay in the Google, you know, first-party Google Nest Hub, Google, you know, Nest Mini, these kinds of things then the experience is going to be pretty much the same across the board. There is one um, third-party Google Assistant device, though, that I do want to talk about, and that's the Lenovo Smart Clock. We put that on the list, I remember. Well, I, I didn't remember. I saw it in the uh, description. <laughs> um, my son was actually the first one to ask for one of these for Christmas, and that's another reason that I really kind of started looking into this whole system because I thought, we're going to need, you know, to have this throughout the house. And it, um, I think he really likes it, don't you? Yeah. Now, he has the, the it's what's called the smart clock essential, which, you know, deliberately lacks some features. It doesn't have a true, right, it's only the essentials. It's basically a clock, but it does have the Google Assistant. You can, I think you can play music and do home control on it, but it doesn't have a real display per se. Now, I also bought it. Oh, it does show the weather? Okay, so it. Oh, okay, so it's not words, but it has like a sun and the temperature in in numbers and so forth. So it does display some things. I got a smart clock generation two for our master bedroom, which I haven't set up yet, just because we've been redoing some things and just haven't done it yet. It's supposed to be more of the full experience, from my understanding. And the reason I got that one for our bedroom is because I wanted to be able to show the doorbell on that screen, which is the next product I want to talk about. The Nest doorbell battery. This is one which does not require hardwiring. I love HomeKit and HomeKit is where I typically go by default, uh, but there's not a battery operated HomeKit doorbell yet. And the problem is our doorbell wiring is kind of non-existent. And so, you know, rather than pay an unknown amount to somebody who um, would have to install this thing. Um, you know, we are blessed by God. We could do it, but you know, we're also supposed to be responsible. And I don't think that 
uh, we needed to do it. And what you're going to see with his favor, this is really cool. You're going to see how they, they will integrate anyway, the Nest and the Apple products. We're going to get to that. So I got this Nest doorbell battery. And what's really cool about this, and I will tell you right off the bat, I'll just answer the question. I like it way better than the Ring. We had a Ring video doorbell, and there were a lot of issues with it that I'm not going to get into specifically for the sake of time, but I do like the Nest doorbell way better. The app is more accessible, and there's a lot of really cool experiences with this Nest doorbell battery. Now, one of the coolest experiences is that it will ring on all your Google Assistant-enabled displays and speakers. You can choose from different doorbell tones, even some seasonal ones, and it will ring, and then it will say to you that someone's at the door. Now, if you are willing to get their Nest Aware plan, which is not very expensive, um, then it will also begin to recognize the difference between people, packages, and uh, animals. And when it sees people, you can go into the Google Home app, and it will say to you, do you know this person? And if you say, yes, you do, you can give a name to that person so that the next time that they ring the doorbell, it will say, trainer Rita is at the door. You know, Cliff, is. it'll actually tell you uh, who's at the door. It'll speak that to you. And of course, your display devices will also show a visual uh, representation, you know, the, they'll show that. And then on your, on your iPhone, your iPad, whatever device you have the Google Home install, Google Home app installed on you can speak directly with that person in two-way audio, just as you would expect from any good video doorbell. And the what, what's also nice about it, yep, I, my son's just reminded me where I was going to go here, that what's also nice about it is if you're a little bit busy and uh, you'd rather do this, they even have these automated, what they call quick responses. And so instead of choosing the talk button in the app, you can pick one of these pre-recorded you know pre -recorded responses, like just leave it you know, for a package or I'll be right there or no one's home right now. Sorry. You know, something like that. Now they don't right now yet. They don't allow you to record your own custom responses. Um, it's not your voice. It's the Google assistant voice that's, that's playing them. And, uh, basically you can pick from, I don't know, four or five, six different responses, which is just a nice, again, just a nice added feature, but all the features of a good video doorbell motion detection and, uh, you know, um, night vision and all of these things. The audio quality is amazing. It's really, really over the top good, honestly. Um, and it, you know, it just works. Uh, it, it is uh, uh, battery operated. They do make a wired one also, but uh, the battery operated one tells you in the app approximately how many weeks it will be until you have to charge. Obviously that can change just like, you know, your gas mileage distance to empty thing in the car, but it's, you know, going to do the best it can to inform you. Um, and it, you know, will certainly give you ample time to charge your, your battery when you need to. So that's the, uh, Nest doorbell. Um, Nest also makes the, um, the learning thermostat. We don't have one. We have a, um, Honeywell, uh, home kit enabled thermostat, but again, we're going to get momentarily into the, you know, integration uh, aspect of this. Uh, but one thing Nest makes also is a Wi-Fi mesh system uh, that's very, very solid. Uh, you get a router and however many points you want, or you can put multiple routers in throughout the home. You know, we did a presentation on networking a few weeks ago. You might remember that. Uh, one of the things about the Google Nest Wi-Fi points is they have the Google Assistant built into them. So if you don't already have speakers um, with smart assistants, you could, instead of getting Nest Minis, if you're already investing in Nest Wi-Fi, you know, your 
Wi-Fi points have speakers and microphones built into them. So you can use all of the Google Assistant features with those as well. Um, if you have them in a room where you're close to other Google speakers, you can disable the microphone so that not both devices are responding to the wake word, uh, but they'll still act as speakers. So you can still put them in groups and you know play music through them and, and hear the doorbell on them and uh, things of that nature. And again, the Google Home offering is very, very solid what it offers for Wi-Fi control, you know, parental controls, pausing Wi-Fi, grouping Wi-Fi, guest networks, you know, speed tests, mesh tests. It's it's very, very, it's everything you'd expect it to be and more, uh, you know. Um, so that's, um, and, and then the last one before we get into this Apple part of it is uh, the Nest Yale lock, which is a smart lock. Now, um, I, this was a very much 11th hour thing uh, I don't even have mine set up yet, um, but I've ordered it. We have a lock currently called a Friday lock or Friday home lock. It was renamed to. And the reason I got the Friday when I got it, you know, more common is like the August smart lock and stuff like that. But I picked the Friday one because it was the only one at the time when I wanted a home kit enabled smart lock. It was the only lock that worked with HomeKit that was available in a polished brass finish, which would match our, you know, door handles and everything else out there. And it was, uh, you know, pretty much essential to my marriage that I, <laughs> that I picked a, you know, one that would match. And so that was the only one I, I had, you know, to do a Google search for polished brass HomeKit locks. And that was the only one at the time. And there still only are a couple. It's not a very common color. Um, the Friday lock has served us well since 2000, uh, maybe 16, 17, 16, something, somewhere in there. Um, but I've always felt like it was never a completely finished solution. It, it does the job well with HomeKit, but the Friday lock app itself has been sort of, I believe, kind of, un, you know, under-delivered and over-promised. They, they've made some promises they've never fully delivered on, and it, it just doesn't feel quite, quite finished. Um, I was going to say quite polished, pun intended. Uh, when I found this Nest Yale lock, I was very excited uh, because it works with your Google Assistant devices. It is in polished brass and it's got a nice keypad. It's got some really cool features. Um, the lock even talks to you to tell you different different things, statuses and so forth. And uh, it, it, it is a... Um, you know, the batteries are supposed to last for up to a year. Just looks really nice. And, and you know, again, very, very straightforward. Um, your question, I'm sure, is then are you giving up the HomeKit compatibility by going with the Nest Lock? And we're going to talk about that now. All right. We're, we're done talking about products for now. We'll take questions in a little. But I, I have to address the big issue, which is as an Apple user, does it really make sense for me to buy any Google devices? Because how much of this stuff is cross-platform? How much of this is really going to integrate? And the answer is it's actually far better than you think. So let's talk about some areas which are a bit challenging because there's actually fewer of those areas than, uh, th than the other. The, the biggest one that doesn't integrate in the way that an Apple user would prefer it to, I think, is the calendar. Um, I get it. I understand it. Um, because it's Google, right? And and so, you know, if somebody came to me and said, oh, why doesn't the HomePod support Google Calendar? 
I would say, because it's an Apple product. Why does it need to get over it? You know? And so I understand why the Google assistant devices don't support Apple calendar. Okay. Amazon does because Amazon doesn't make its own calendar devices. I mean, you know, phones and stuff like that, I should say, but with Google, if you're going to get events on your nest hub display and stuff like that, you're going to have to use Google calendar. I don't like Google calendar. I'm not a fan of it. I, I don't use the app and I, I'm not really, uh, you know, recommending it to people. But if you already have a Google account, right, if you've already got that anyway, you can turn on calendars for Google in your settings on your iPhone, your iPad, whatever. Now, we often advise our customers not to do that, not because it causes problems, but because if you don't know what you are doing, if you're not comfortable with it, it will cause problems. The way that it causes problems is because if you, let's say you set up Google on one device, but not the other, or you have Google as your default calendar on one and iCloud on another, you know, then you've got problems because now people are saying, why is this event not showing up on all my devices? And, and that's almost always the reason. So oftentimes when I know the customer doesn't need Google, and when I know that maybe they're a newer user, they're not as comfortable with more advanced settings, I tell them, just disable your Google Calendar. You don't need it. I've actually enabled it because I do know how to manage it. And the only time I ever use it is if, in fact, I want an event to display on our Google Nest hubs for everybody to see. So otherwise, I always use iCloud. And that's my default calendar. And iCloud has a family calendar. That's what we always use. But every once in a while, if I want it to be visually accessed right by, you know, walking into the kitchen and seeing it on the display, then I will also create it on the Google Calendar, still using the Apple Calendar app, though. OK, so I've just added Google, you know, calendars to my settings and, and it, it works. It's fine. You know, it's, it's not an issue. Um, that's the most challenging cross-platform um, experience that I've had of any. The rest of it is actually pretty well integrated. So for example, I have Apple Music linked to my Google account and I can ask my Google uh, speakers and displays to play music on Apple Music, to play an Apple Music playlist, you know, any of those features that works just fine. Um, other Apple uh, types of things, you know, uh, because you have the Google Home app it, it's pretty, you know, you can use Safari. I've already mentioned that to you, that, you you know, you can um, use Safari. Just make sure it's signed into your Google account and it will be able to send recipes and things to your, uh, to your Nest devices. Um, one of the biggest that we want to talk about is the, um, the HomeKit aspect of this. So the nice part about it is that there are third-party products that integrate both with Google and with Apple HomeKit. So, you know, for example, our coffee maker is smart because of uh, a little thing called a smart plug. Well, that smart plug happens to work both with Apple HomeKit and with Google. So no problem there. So I can ask Siri to turn my coffee maker on and I can ask Google to turn it off just for fun. You know, I can set up HomeKit automations and I can set up Google Assistant routines and they're all going to work with the same smart plug. Our abode security system. 
that's fully compatible both with HomeKit and with um, uh, Google Assistant. Um, a lot of the HomeKit products that you will have are that way. Uh, the, um, the Honeywell thermostat that I got, you know, I wanted it to be HomeKit compatible. So that was my first choice. It also works with Google Assistant. So I can access my thermostat on the Nest Hub just as if it were, you know, I mean, it, it's designed for both, right? So I can, I can use HomeKit. I can use Google Assistant. Again, I can tell HomeKit, you know, devices, Siri to change the temperature. I can tell Google devices to change the temperature. Makes no difference. What about these Nest devices specifically, like the Nest doorbell, the Nest Yale lock that I talked about? Would I really invest in a Nest, uh, you know, a door lock if it couldn't work with HomeKit? And I sort of did that with a doorbell only because, as I said, it didn't make sense to me to deal with the wiring. Um, and so, you know, we kind of, I thought for a period of time, we were just going to have to deal with a non home kit doorbell. Okay. First world problem. Praise God. But here's the, the cool part about it. There is a way to get your Nest devices to work with HomeKit. I really just said that. You really heard me correctly. And it's through a little device called a Starling, S-T-A-R-L-I-N-G, Starling Home Hub. Mine just, ours just arrived uh, yesterday. I haven't set it up yet, but my parents already have one. So I'm, I'm familiar a bit with, with the Starling Home Hub. Uh, it's only $99, by the way, and it connects to your router. This device, uh, I will say up front, is not really approved as a HomeKit device by Apple. They don't recognize it as one of their, you know, HomeKit approved devices. Uh, but lots and lots of people are using it. It's it's not illegal to use it or anything like that, you know. And uh, this, what this device does is you you set it up, and it creates a uh, a bridge basically uh, in in the home Apple Home app and pulls in all your Nest devices. And the really cool part is they actually work as if they were designed for HomeKit. So my parents did it because they have a Nest thermostat. Well, they actually have two Nest thermostats. Those things work just as well in the Apple Home app as my Honeywell, as our Honeywell thermostat does. Um, the doorbell, I, I've already seen video demos of this and I talked to Starling about it. The doorbell will ring on HomePods, on Apple TV. You'll be able to talk to the person through the Apple Home app just as if it were a HomeKit designed doorbell. All the features that work in Apple Home will work in um, Apple Home for this Nest device once you connect the uh, Starling Home Hub. Even HomeKit Secure Video works with Nest cameras. Now, it doesn't work with the doorbell because apparently HomeKit Secure Video will not work with wireless devices right now. They have to be wired. So you can't use HomeKit Secure Video uh, which is that feature that stores video in your iCloud. But um, everything else about the doorbell works exactly the same. And if you get a Nest camera and you plug it in, it will work with HomeKit Secure Video uh, once you have the Starling Home Hub. The door lock, all right? The door lock is going to show up in my Apple Home app, and I'll be able to use Siri just as well as I can use Google to lock and unlock the door. 
And that's what made me finally go ahead and get this nest lock for us. Because as I said, I'm very, very limited as to what I can get because of the polished brass color. If we really care about that, there's literally, you know, two or three door locks, maybe four now, but I think it's only two or three um, that really, you know, will do the job. And this one is now the fourth one. It, it will do it. And all you need is this Starling Home Hub. And it brings all these devices together so that you can still use all of your favorite devices with all of your other favorite devices, right? The, the thing that really impressed me was the, um, the fact that the doorbell will work exactly as Apple wants the doorbells to work, you know? So it's going to ring on the HomePods. It's going to show up on the Apple TV. And your Nest Hub speakers, your Nest Minis, all of that, will now work as AirPlay devices once you set up the Starling Home Hub. So you can AirPlay to your Google speakers. Now, Starling says you cannot AirPlay to a combination of HomePods and Google Nest speakers simultaneously. You got to pick one or the other due to what they're saying are technical limitations, whatever that means. But hey, that's still cool because we can decide on a case-by-case basis which ones we want to AirPlay to and it will work. So, I mean, this is really, really uh, a breakthrough and I think it's something that anybody who has Google devices or Nest devices really ought to consider because HomeKit is just amazing. HomeKit is easy. HomeKit is, is the best home automation platform, I believe, in existence. And, and by the way, you can't really. Remember, I told you I, I am about as unbiased as it gets. I'll be honest with you every step of the way. You can't really call Google's platform a home automation platform. Apple HomeKit is a home automation platform. Google does it by account linking. Again, there are positives and there are, I don't even want to say negatives, but you know, potential caveats with doing it that way. The positives are that it has caused Google Assistant support for these devices to grow exponentially, leaps and bounds. You know, same thing with the A-Lady. That's why there are so many devices that work with um, with uh, Google and Alexa because of their account linking. So there, you know, there are positives, but there are caveats. And certainly, you cannot really call Google Assistant a home automation platform. HomeKit is, and it does really, really incredible stuff. So the idea that we can allow our even our Nest devices to be integrated into that, the idea that there are third-party devices out there that will work with both platforms. It is just really, I think the best of, of everything. You know, again, the ideal thing we have all three assistants here in our household. Um, I know that, that trainer Rita has some Google devices and maybe she wants to say a word or two and cliff, if he's still here, I thought I heard that maybe he left, but I don't go ahead there. Rita. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. I think cliff left. I'm not sure. Um, yes, I have, um, the Google mini, uh, speakers and I've got uh, lights uh, connected to it uh, that I can you know turn on lights uh, in several rooms with my voice and uh, we've also got a thermostat we switched from the Nest thermostat to a Nexia N-E-X-I-A <laughs> because that's what came with our new furnace we installed a new train furnace and that's the 
thermostat that they said we had to have. And I'm like, okay, I'm not getting this unless I could talk to it. <laughs> and so we made sure that it, I could use it with the Google, um, you know, s smart speaker. And so I'm, uh, I'm very interested in the doorbell um, uh, because right now I don't have that and I would like to have the doorbell. So I'm, I'm very interested in listening to you talk about this. Um, and it's called the Nest Doorbell Battery, correct? Yes. Yes, that's, and, that is correct. Yep. What kind, of, what kind of price are we talking about? So I got it at a huge discount on Black Friday, but apparently its price is one, uh, I think 169 or 179. Um, and, you know, I still don't think that's bad for what you're getting. I mean, if you were to get the Ring Pro, you know, that's every bit as much as that, maybe more. Um, mm -hmm. I, I got it for way less than that and didn't actually realize it cost that much when I started recommending it to people. Uh, I, I got it for under 100 on like the Black Friday holiday yeah. season there but yeah one 179 i think is its standard price okay and i you know and just to uh, background on these these smart speakers you know the leap from having to hold a device and interact with it and type on it now the leap in, several years ago to these smart speakers has been revolutionary for all kinds of people with disabilities, um, you know, where you can talk to a device and it can respond back to you. And it is really, I, I encourage people to, you know, the, the, <laughs> to use these devices. Um, and, you know, there was, there, there is a, there was a big jump in the blind community to the Amazon uh, devices um, because of their price point and the accessibility and, and so forth several years ago. And now I think all of these features of these smart speakers, um, uh, um, I agree with you, Matt. Siri would be my first response on my devices, my Apple iOS devices and my HomePod. I've only got one. Um, and, <laughs> the, and then Google for information is amazing like uh, if i want to ask how you know the distance in driving between uh, different locations or if i want to connect to a business google is superior for that because i can just say call uh you know my walgreens store closest to me and it'll say mm -hmm. do you want to call such and, such? and i can right. do it and talk to it all with my not picking up anything i could just use my voice and yeah, it, it is the best of both worlds if you have both in your home, you know, and honestly, um, when you said about the, the, the Amazon ones, it is interesting because, yeah, they were the first to the party in a lot of ways. But honestly, and I think most voiceover users would agree with this, the Amazon Alexa app is not perfect when it comes to accessibility. I mean, it's usable yep. mostly, but it, it does have some issues, but you don't have those issues with the Google Home app. So honestly, you know, again, from the perspective of being able to set this stuff up and configure it, you know, access the doorbell, uh, the Google Home app is is superior to the Amazon, you know what app. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, it, it's yeah, because you've experienced it, too. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the way it's laid out at times, although now I've kind of gotten used to it and I've sort of developed a fondness for it. 
but it was always at first like, okay, there's three different things that say settings, which one <laughs> do I want, you know, but th- th- those kinds of things, but you know, you, you, you learn to use it. You just learn and you do it. Yeah. You know? yeah and we also have the um, mesh system, the Google mesh system. Yes. And yes. when you were talking about that, I was like, I didn't know I could talk to those units, you know, yes. those- the, the newer ones. Now I don't remember when you got yours, the ones that say Google Wi-Fi don't but the ones that say nest wi-fi do and that they oh, actually I, you can supplement I, like you wouldn't have to get a whole new system. We get the older you ones could, go ahead oh you have the older ones yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah now, you could add a Google. point though you wouldn't have to replace your whole network you could add a a, a nest wi-fi point to that network and and it would you could speak to that one you know got it Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 but I think the whole point here is to just show that this technology is so useful for us as visually impaired people to have access to with our voice, you know, to lock your door, to answer, to answer the doorbell when it rings, uh, you know, to just do a search on just amazing access uh, that we've got. That's just unprecedented, you know, that uh, I'll have people talking to me and they're like, um, you know, uh, you know, they'll say something to me on the phone and I'll say, well, let me look that up. And I'll ask Google, you know, while I'm talking to them on the phone, what something is. And it comes up with the answer right away. And it's like it's it's instantaneous. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So think, yeah. You probably got some questions. Yeah, uh, I think let's go to exactly. I think so, too. I think that's yeah. All right. Um, so if you would like to ask a question um, <clears throat> to raise your hand on APC, it is um, Alt-Y. And um, to mute and unmute, it is Alt-A. On a Mac, it is Option-Y. And to mute and unmute, is it is um, Command-Shift-A. And on a smartphone or tablet, um, raise your hand is in the middle of your screen since we are on webinar. And then to mute and unmute is um, in the lower left-hand corner of your screen. And on a uh, phone with a keypad, it is um, star nine to raise your hand and to mute and unmute is star six. Um, and we do have one hand so far. Do you, are you ready for that, Matt? I am ready when you, absolutely. We are good to go. All right, um, Viola, you can go ahead and unmute. Good afternoon, Matt. Hi there. Um, okay, Matt. This is my first um, foray, as it were, into possibly getting. Uh, I have been unwilling, or you know, really worried about getting wireless anything because of you know possible uh, hacks into systems and that kind of thing. I have a wired home security system that has a an intercom to the outside so I can talk to people from my upstairs or from my, you know, down here. Um, and I can find out who it is if I want to talk to them, if I want to go downstairs or not. But so that's okay. However, this lock really intrigues me. Um, so this is my first attempt to even think about it. So if if you were 
if you were to advise me, I really want that lock. I like the sound of it, that it talks, that it has a keypad, um, that you can do things with it. How would I be able to, and how does it lock and unlock my manual doors? Or do I need to, um, my front door, do I need to install something um, right, in, right. The, in, the, in the lock mechanism so or what? This particular one, there, there are two major flavors of smart locks out there. Uh, there are ones like the August and, and the one that I currently have, which is the Friday, which replaces the, sorry, which, which replaces only the inner piece and works with existing deadbolts. Then there are ones like this Nest Yale lock that actually replace the entire deadbolt. And we have had those before as well. And I mean, it's still something that a person can install without any kind of professional training. I, you know, I think sighted installers would probably be your, your best bet there. Uh, but it comes with, you know, the, the one you want. And, and of course we could, you know, talk about this later in more depth, but uh, the one you want is the one that is the smart, uh, the Google Yale, uh, sorry, the Nest Yale lock with Nest Connect. Because the, one of the things about the Nest lock is, um, it doesn't have Wi-Fi built into it, and that was a deliberate choice on Google's part. Uh, a lot of locks work this way. Uh, it has a a less uh, a less powerful. I shouldn't say less powerful. That's the wrong word. Uh, a less battery hungry <laughs> uh, type of of radio frequency in it that communicates with a little hub that you just have to plug into a wall. It doesn't even need to be plugged into your router. You just have to plug it in. I can't remember somewhere in your you know close proximity to the lock. And so, so you want to early in that case or what's that? I wouldn't use the Sterling or I'd still need the Sterling. I would think you, right? would, you would, you would still want the Sterling if you want it to be able Starling. to work with the Apple, with the Apple home kit. Yes. Yes. Right. So you, you would be looking at a total of about 300 and 370, some $380 worth of, of investment to do this. The, the lock with the Nest Connect is 279 and then the uh, the Starling Home Hub is a hundred dollars, you know, ninety nine dollars. And um, the Starling does connect to the router, and that's strictly for integrating Nest products into Apple Home. This uh, Nest Connect, which comes with the the lock, if you buy the correct one, um, you know, just plugs into a wall and is uh, going to transmit signal to and from the lock. And then, yeah, you're going to need somebody to install, you know, they'll replace the deadbolt. It comes with its own strike plate. It comes with its, uh, you know, all the pieces that are needed. All they need is basically a screwdriver. Theoretically, if they have to shave something off of the, you know, that, that that's a different matter, but basically a screwdriver, you know, and um, there are, it's very detailed. The website walks you right through how to install it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, as I said, I don't have mine up and running yet, but it looks like it's really, um, I mean, I've had smart locks similar to it before that do replace the deadbolt. So this is not, you know, the first uh, go around with something like that. And, and so, you know, I, I, I have confidence that it's going to be every bit as good as that and, and better because of this integration. So, yeah. Well, maybe I'll wait until you get yours installed and then see how you like it. Cause it really does intrigue me. I like the keypad idea. I like that it talks back, that kind of thing. I want to be able to go from upstairs and say, please lock the door, you know, with the right. Apple, kit, you know, right. Right. And, uh, 
I don't necessarily, I don't have any Nest, other Nest products or any, I don't have the Google home speakers or whatever you call them or anything, but you know, this really does speak to me. So I'll talk to you about it more another, you know, but okay, thank you. sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Other questions? Yes. Um, <clears throat> Karen, you can go ahead and unmute. Hi, Matt. Um, okay. This is a Google question, but maybe a little bit different from what you're discussing. And I, I'm thinking that you'll say there's no issue. I kind of um, worry about Google and how secure I am because it seems like they have a huge grip on the world. I mean, I'm always Google searching. I have about three different Google email accounts. Um, I, it's, they seem to work better than my local carrier. And um, so I'm just wondering how much should I be worried about security and using the Google uh, platform? So Google is not Apple in, in the sense of they don't, you know, have the same, they, they've made very different choices as far as how they protect their customers. Um, you know, Apple is a much more robust um, uh, protection uh, as far as security and privacy. You know, Apple goes to the, uh, the point of anonymizing every request. They can't associate Siri requests with you. They do absolutely no deep account linking, you know, like I've described that Google does with, you know, these different uh, products and so forth, um, you know. And so they are a different animal in that regard. Um, but I, you know, I do believe, uh, I do believe that the people at Google are genuine. I think they're doing what they believe is, is going about it the right way. Um, I think they do care about customer uh, privacy and security and they've created um, a place in the Google apps as well as on the web. I don't remember the exact URL. It might be google.com slash my activity, uh, but I'm not hundred percent sure, but I know it's in all their apps where you can go back and you can see all of your history of what you've searched and what you've interacted and what you've said and, you know, all these different things. And you can delete any of it that you want. And so while it's definitely more work, to do that than, you know, Apple system where it's just not associated with you. Uh, they have made it possible. You know, they have made it doable. I do think, I don't think they're an insecure company. I don't think they're doing anything egregiously bad. Um, you know, it's, it's a personal preference, but, but, oh, go ahead, Rita. I'm sorry. I know you. That's okay. And, and just a, just a point here. When you're using these smart speakers, and these connected devices, you're on your Wi-Fi, okay? So if your Wi-Fi is a secure Wi-Fi, which it should be, <laughs> okay, um, there's some protection right there in terms of, you know, access. Um, they, they uh, you know, the world is, is much more open now. And, you know, in terms of people's concerns about privacy, you know, I always say, you know, the horse has left the barn kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, um, 
so I think your uh, the the compromise. I mean, unless you you know totally disconnect everything, and even then, um, you're you're not you don't have privacy. Okay, you know, because there's so much surveillance out, you know, you walk out on the street and, you know, your camera, there's 100 cameras looking at you, kind of right. thing, you yeah. know, depending on if you're in the city or what, whatever. But um, so I think that if you have make sure that your Wi-Fi is secure, that people don't have access to your uh, password, you know, to access your secure Wi-Fi, you're talking to these devices through Wi-Fi. And then these signals, like, for example, Matt was talking about the door lock, for example. Oh, that's a radio signal that is a short wave that goes to the the plug you know on the wall and the, the you know to talk to each other so it's not anything your neighbors could access yeah um, does that, does that make so sense i'm sorry i understand what you're saying um rita you've actually said that to me before but what i've um what I, my wife i'm not questioning wi-fi i'm more questioning and i think Matt answered the question. I'm questioning more just using the Google platforms and I will look for the Google, my activity. I also always try to go into settings and, and put on as much privacy as I can. But um, I just have the feeling that they're super big and <laughs> I'm not sure how secure well, anything really is. You know, the, the, you know, the thing about that, though, the, the biggest thing we can do is to take the proper precautions to protect ourselves against the bad actors, you know, because no company in the world, um, if they're if they're a legitimate company, you know, if they're not, hopefully they get caught. Uh, but no legitimate company has the time to sit down and go through your data. You know what I mean? That that doesn't if you think about that from a logical perspective, billions and billions of users, they don't have time to be going through people's individual data in what they're doing and what their activity. The biggest risk you have is bad actors getting a hold of your account, not Google people or Apple people, but you know, random hackers. And the the you know, the best things you can do uh, while there's no completely unsinkable ship. Uh, you know, th the best things you can do are take the proper precautions, which include using, you know, really strong passwords, using different passwords on each website and each account, using two-factor authentication where it's available, using biometrics to secure your own device plus plus a passcode, um, not opening um, attachments from people that you don't recognize. And even when you do recognize them, uh, being discriminant about whether to open them or not. You know, a lot of times if I'm not 100% convinced, even if it's my own parents, you know, I would call them and say, did you really mean to send me this? You know, and then and only then will I open it. You know, not not downloading or giving personal information to any site that you don't explicitly recognize or trust. And if you do uh, have to, then, you know, use something like Apple Pay or PayPal where it is protected, where the, the site isn't getting your direct information. Obviously, Apple Pay is far more secure and far better than PayPal, but at least PayPal, if that's the only option, is still a step above, you know, direct somebody your credit card number or bank account number or something like that. So, you know, again, if you think about it from a logical perspective, 
a company like Apple or Google with billions of users is not going to be able to say, okay, I'm going to go through people's personal data to find out what they had for lunch yesterday. It, it doesn't, it doesn't even make logical sense. But the the bigger concern would be, you know, random hackers and other people with malicious intent, evildoers getting a hold of them. And and of course, as I said, there are, you know, there are reasonable precautions that we can take to at least you know, minimize or mitigate that risk as much as possible. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Um, we have no more, uh, no more hands. Okay. All right. Rita, anything else you want to add in there? Uh, no, I think uh, that that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> They're a lot of fun when you interact yeah. uh, with oh, these yeah. devices. You know, it's it's just so nice to be, you walk into a room and you can talk to something and it talks back to you and it gives you information. <laughs> yes. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. So folks, I want to thank you all for joining us. Remember to visit our website at www.ttjtech.net. And also when you're on that site, you can learn about our YouTube channel. Um, and you can learn about our, our paid and free offerings. we got a free class starting next week, iPad for All Computing, which I'm very excited about. If you have questions, you can also send email to support at ttjtech.net. Thanks so much to our host and to our streamer today. want to thank you all. God bless you, and thanks for joining us. We will see you next time, and have a great week. Take care.